James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By this good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But his good conduct, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is God's word. You may be seated. All right. Good morning. Happy New Year. How's everybody doing? Good. It's good to see everyone. It's been a long time. I know we've been gone all week. Uh, It feels like we haven't seen you all in about a month, but I don't think it's been quite that long. Um, but it is, it is really good to see all of your faces out here. Um, I see some new faces as well. So if you are new, again, welcome. Uh, we're just really glad you're here. Um, I got my game well prepared. I got my mom fuel mug here. So if you know my wife, you know she's much stronger than me. So I'm going to take uh, some fuel from her instead of myself. Um, no, I... I uh, Uh, Next week, uh, we're launching into a series on the book of Mark called Follow Me, and I am thrilled, excited to uh, walk in that series with all of you um, to study the life of Jesus as we enter a new year. And uh, so that I, I am, I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, as we're we're engulfed still in a time of a lot of uncertainty. Um, I think if you're like me at all, which hopefully you're not totally like me because you don't. That's not what you want. Um, but if you're anything like me, you, you have a lot of questions, concerns uh, about you know today. Like how how do I how do I walk? rightly today with everything going on. Um, And I have a lot of questions as a a husband, as a father of three, as a a member of a church, as a member of society. I have all kinds of questions. Um, But one of the main questions I have is, how do I walk in wisdom? And as we enter a new year, it's a, it's a great question. I'm sure you've asked this many times this past year, and you're probably going to keep asking yourself this this year, is how in the world do I walk in wisdom among what is going on? And, and more specifically, because we're relational creatures, relationships matter to us. I mean, we can try to convince ourselves that they don't matter, but because we're relational creatures, relationships do matter. Um, And so specifically, how do we walk in wisdom in our relationships? Um, That that is a question that I know I've been asking myself. 
Uh, I mean, I just got back from a week with my extended family, and, you know, I'm thinking a week with my family, what could possibly go wrong? I love my family, but, and you're like, yeah, feel ya. Um, but, you know, you get a bunch of humans together in one house, and it's amazing how quickly things can go wrong, right? Because we're, we're humans. Um, and so even in that, I'm like, okay, God, I need wisdom from above to know how to walk in my relationship. So, before entering a series on Mark, where we study Jesus, who is wisdom personified, we're going to look at the book of James um, and see what this man James has to say on the topic. So let's pray, because I need to pray, um, and then we'll get into it. Lord, I am asking you to speak, um, that, that I would not be the teacher, but that you would be the teacher. Lord, teach us how to do your will, like the song we just sang said. We love you, and we're thankful for your word. Amen. James three thirteen to 18, we're going to look at the words of someone very close to Jesus. Um, we're looking at James. He's the author. And just to give a real quick uh, context to, to this guy and what he's writing here. Uh, so here's a couple things of note as you're getting to the passage. James is the brother of Jesus. This is not James, one of the 12 disciples. So this is the brother, all right? So just, you know, use your imagination what it would have been like to grow up in the same house as Jesus, okay? Like awesome slash brutal because you're not like off the hook ever. It was never Jesus's fault. It was always your fault. So James is his brother, Uh, James was skeptical of Jesus being the Messiah for some time, and and then later was converted, uh, we believe, sometime after the resurrection. There's there's a passage that says Jesus went to see James, and so somewhere in, you know, his adult life, uh, James is converted. He he believes um, that Jesus, his brother, is who he says he was, that he's the Messiah, and then James becomes a leader in the church in Jerusalem when uh, after Jesus ascends into heaven. And so here we find ourselves in this book. It's a letter to the scattered Christians out of Jerusalem, so mostly Jewish. Um, and they, they, you know, they're dispersed out of their homes, persecuted, facing many trials, as you'll see in James 1, and whose lives are seemingly completely unraveling And then also of note is that James, his style, his approach is quite confrontational. Um, So in this context, he's going to address the scattered church regarding what it looks like to walk in God's wisdom here in chapter 3. So he starts with a simple question. I'm just going to read the passage once more, and then we'll go back to the beginning. 3, 13 to 18, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. That is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace 
by those who make peace. James asks a question, and it's a simple one. Who is wise and understanding among you? So he's going to ask the question. He's going to answer the question. He's going to back up his answer by looking at the two wisdoms, and then he's going to end with a beautiful picture of a harvest. So that's where we're going. Um, So he's going to answer this question, who is wise, um, in verse 13, by his next statement in verse 13, where he says, by his good conduct, which is outward, let him show, outward, his works, outward, in the meekness, inward, of wisdom. James appears to be entering this uh, topic from an outward perspective. He's going to discuss the outward to answer this question, who is wise? But what we'll find here is that his entire focus to answer this question is actually inward. So he says, how do I, how do I show my works and, the, uh, and how do I show good conduct? It's, it's not outward. Though. I mean, it's shown outward, but what, what goes before that, what happens is actually inside that leads to this. So, so here's, the, here's the main statement for today to answer the question. Wisdom is proved by meekly displaying the heart and hands of Jesus in our relationships. Wisdom is proved by meekly displaying the heart and hands, heart inward, hands outward of Jesus in our relationships. And then he's going to defend that statement by comparing the two wisdoms. So um, before we get into the two wisdoms, we're going to look at this word meekness because it's not just this fluffy, pretty word that James is going to attach to wisdom and be like, see, it's, you know, just, you know, kind of ignore it. It's just a pretty word. No, like there's, there's a purpose behind this word meekness. Um, and so we're going to look at that. Defined, it's, it's quiet, gentle, self-subdued. I think that's my favorite definition that I've come across for this word. Self-subdued, willing to yield. But it's not passive. It's not naive, which means it's active, and there's an element of knowledge and understanding to this word meekness. Not passive, not naive. Jesus in Matthew 5, 5 says, "'Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth.'" Uh, So Jesus is plainly stating that if you're a follower of Christ, if you're in the family of God, meekness is a mark of those who follow him. It's a mark of those who will be in his eternal kingdom. James says in chapter 1, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, there's your word, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So the same way that we hear the word, receive the word, the same heart condition that we receive the word and hear the word is the same way that we then do the word, show our works. It's in meekness. Meekness is a condition of a heart of good soil. James is convinced that relational wisdom and meekness cannot be separated. And so what is this relationship? What does it look like? I, I'll, I'll paint the picture for you this way. And um, it's, it's peanut, so you got peanut butter and jelly. It's, it's not peanut butter and jelly. I, I love peanut butter and jelly. Ask my wife. I mean, it's Probably the greatest sandwich ever invented is peanut butter and jelly. Um, But meekness and wisdom is is not peanut butter and jelly, where you take one and you add the other and you slap it together and you got 
you know, the world's best sandwich or the world's best relationship. That's not what meekness and wisdom are, okay? Wisdom and meekness is more like peanut butter and peanuts in that wisdom, the peanut butter, it, it possesses peanuts. If you, if you take the peanuts out of peanut butter, do you have peanut butter any longer? No. So if you take meekness out of the wisdom from above, you no longer have the wisdom from above displayed. It's not wisdom from above. It's another type of wisdom. And so James, is he puts this word in here very purposefully to say that meekness has to be present in order for wisdom from above to be there. If you take it out, it no longer is wisdom from above. Not peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and peanuts. And so, um, with that, James then writes this in such a way that wisdom is always displayed meekly. And we'll see that in in the passage. In in fact, if meekness is absent in your life, if meekness is absent in your relationships, Jesus would say, and James would say, that you are not wise. So, James is confrontational. Remember, James grew up with Jesus. You, You think that Jesus... Uh, maybe displayed this meekness in the life of James, like he saw this firsthand, what the meekness of God looks like. He tasted it. And and in their culture, their Jewish culture, I mean, meekness was so countercultural, right? Like in their Jewish culture, I mean, who was wise in their culture? It, It was the educated. It was the utmost religious. It was the rich. That was the person you went to for wisdom. That was considered to be wise. And Jesus comes on the scene and just shatters that, completely shatters that. And James got to watch it happen, and it probably frustrated the fire out of him that his brother Jesus was always so meek in their relationships. Like, what is wrong with this guy? He's so meek. What a fool. How weak is he? He's so meek. And that's not what meekness is. See, meekness comes from the heart of God. It completely shatters the world's perception of wisdom. It shatters it. You do not need to come from a perfectly functioning family. You do not need to go to college, have the right degree. You don't need to have everything fall your way in your life to walk in the wisdom from God. You just don't. Meekness is not something you do or something you say. It is the way you do things. It is the way you say things. It is a flow out of your heart by the Holy Spirit. So why should I care? Why care about being meek? As I studied this <laughs> this week and the week prior, like I'm telling you, when you when you say yes to, to studying and then preaching, you're asking God to just rip your heart to shreds. Like you just are. And and so, you know, ask my wife if I'm great at meekness. She's gonna be like, mm-mm, no. It's not there. Okay? It is a struggle. It's a battle. Okay, ask my daughters if I'm an expert on meekness. Suvi will look at you and be like, mm, no. <laughs> okay? It's not. I'm not. Okay? This is something that I have to grow in. The big question here is why should I care about being meek? Meekness is an outflow of the character of God, the Father, 
shown undeniably in wisdom personified who is Jesus and is then produced in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It's not you. Stop trying. It's not you. It's him. He does it. Who is wise and understanding among you? The man who is meek. The woman who is meek. The teenager who is meek. The child who is meek. The person who meekly displays the heart and hands of Jesus in their relationships. So then we're going to dig into the two wisdoms. So he's going to back up this statement by looking at the two wisdoms. And so uh, before, we, uh, before we do that, um, well, well he, he's going to make very clear that these two wisdoms are from two very different places, two very different worlds, two very different sources. Um, and so I'd like to just give you a little glimpse into my life of what that kind of looks like. So um, my wife, Jolena, <laughs> back here, she's from northern Minnesota, and uh, I'm not. Um, I'm from southeastern corner of Pennsylvania, so I am city boy through and through, can't deny it, and she's country girl, right? And so when we're dating, um, I went up to Minnesota multiple times to meet her family and, you know, try to impress them. I want to marry your daughter, um, and she's got this huge family up there. And so when I went to visit, um, I think it was the springtime, but up there it doesn't matter. I mean, there's still like five feet of snow in the spring, doesn't matter. Um, So I I went up there to meet her family, and it could not have been more clear that we were from two completely different worlds, right? And so uh, all of her, her brothers, her cousins, I mean, they're just licking their chops because City Boy is in town. And so they're going to show City Boy what it looks like to live in Minnesota. And so I'm like, okay, I, I got to do this, right? Like, I can't just sit at home, so I got to go and hang out with her brothers. <clears throat> so they take me we do a few things. Um, they take me hunting. Um, and so I am sitting like 20 to 30 feet up in a tree stand uh, with my future brother-in-law uh, under a blanket, cuddled up together in this tree stand. We're talking like between this and this, there's two of us, okay? And um, we did not see a living creature the entire time besides ourselves. Um, and he was having a blast. <laughs> and I'm just like, why am I here? I don't understand this, okay? It could not have been more clear. I am not from there. I am from a completely different source, right? And so then we uh, proceeded the next day to go play ice hockey. So her family rents out this entire rink because her family is massive. And so all the, the brothers and cousins, they go play ice hockey. And, uh, and so, you know, th- they're all born on skates, right? So six months old, they're in skates, they're going. So it's just like what they do. And so playing a sport in skates for them is like, that's what we do. And for me to even put on skates, I mean, I'm 6'3", total goon, and I can't do it. <clears throat> but I do. I'm like, I can do this, right? So I put on skates, and I'm going to go play ice hockey with them. And, uh, and this is what it looks like, right? You have 20 people playing ice hockey back and forth. I mean, they're just whizzing down the ring. It's crazy. I'm like, this is unbelievable. And, and this is me, right? I'm in the middle of the rink going this way. And then this way, I'm making this little circle for probably an hour and a half. Like, I'm coming, I'm coming. Nope, we're going this way. I mean, I'm serious. This was me the entire time just praying that I would not get run over, okay? And then you do that for an hour and a half, you have blisters the size of Texas on all of your ankles. I mean, it's just like so bad, okay? It could not have been more clear that I was not from there. I was from a completely different source, right? And so then, then we go snowmobiling, and I am pumped. 
Like, I could not be more excited. I've never done this. And so we go snowmobiling, and up there, the lakes are frozen. And so it's just like this huge open field, but it's a lake where you can go snowmobiling, right? And so um, they take me, and they let me go on the lake first, and they don't give me any prior knowledge. They're like, you're good, just go. And I'm like, you know, I'm right, and I'm looking back, and they're all like, yeah, you know? And so I go out on the lake, and as soon as the back of my snowmobile hits the ice, it crushes it in water just everywhere. And for about 10 seconds, I'm just sitting there like, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going in. They are like 50 to 100 yards back. And I look back, and they are just rolling laughing at me because they know what's happening inside me is I am terrified. And so I don't know anything other than to just gun it. And so you just gun it, and you just go flying out of that stuff. Well, then, you know, later they tell me, yeah, it's it's layer of ice, couple inches of water, and then the rest of the lake is just solid ice. They don't tell me that because they want me to have this experience, right? I had no clue, and I thought I was going to die. It could not have been more clear that I am not from there, right? I am from a completely different source, a completely different world. And so James here, he's going to describe the two wisdoms this way. Um, They're from two different sources. They're from two different worlds. You have false wisdom and true wisdom, You have uh, the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. You have wisdom from above and wisdom from below. And so he starts by describing earthly wisdom. And, And what we're getting at today is that it leads to spiritual death. James in verses 14 to 16, he says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So what is he saying? saying, do not lie to yourself and tell yourself that you're wise and do not brag inwardly or outwardly and then claim wisdom. Wisdom from God never is birth. It's never birth. It's never born from a heart of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. It's completely contrary to God's wisdom and God's character. So James doesn't mention what is earthly wisdom. Uh, He doesn't mention what it looks like on the outside, right? He He goes straight to the heart, right? The matter of the heart. He goes straight to it. So what does the heart look like that produces wisdom from above, or wisdom from below, earthly wisdom, false wisdom? He describes it as bitter jealousy. This, is not, um, this does not refer to the usual way we think of jealousy as envy. It's a little different in this, in this context. Um, it's referring to the strong feelings we possess that lead us to self-defense. J.A. Motyer in his commentary describes it this way, uh, there are those who are quick on the draw, more than ready to fight for their rights and easily prepared to think that they are in some way threatened by others. It is more the sharpness of spirit in personal relationships, this over-concern for one's own position, dignity, rights, or whatever that James has in mind, end quote. That's how he describes this bitter jealousy. It's these strong feelings that we possess, and they don't come from God. Selfish ambition then follows that. Um, It it follows the strong feelings where we conclude strongly in our hearts that we are willing to damage others and ourselves, to promote ourselves, and to get what our hearts tell us will satisfy and fulfill us. So the selfish ambition follows the strong feelings, the bitter jealousy. That is what the heart looks like. 
And then, like, there's no way she's a sinner. Like, she's just so cute. I mean, look at her cheeks. Look at her lips. Look at her eyes. She's so cute. I mean, you guys tell me this all the time. Suvi is just so cute. I'm like, I know, but her heart is evil. Her heart is actually evil. You're like, how? It doesn't make any sense because she's born with that nature, right? She's evil, okay? (laughs) Ask Shiloh, right? Like, Shiloh's like, this is getting old. Like, Suvi's, you know, she's got selfish ambition. She's got bitter jealousy in her heart. I mean, Shiloh does too, but for some reason, it shows itself much more clearly in Suvi. Suvi's just like, you don't have to wonder. She's like, I want that, and I'm going to run you over to get it. And Shiloh's like, okay. (laughs) Shiloh doesn't know what to do. Um, And so, like, I see this all the time in my daughter, Suvi. It's like, wow, that's, that's in there. That little person possesses that in her heart. Like, yep. Well, so do we. You're like, well, do we outgrow that? No. You've been on I-4 lately, right? Like bitter jealousy, strong feelings, selfish ambition, get out of my way, right? It's like, we don't grow out of that. It's our human heart, right? Well, maybe by the time we're older, like older, older, we'll grow out of that. No, right? You got get off my my lawn guy, like you're not growing out of it. It's, it's the human heart. It's what it is. It's, it's its makeup, right? And so James, he says, if this is what characterizes your heart, don't boast, don't brag and be false to the truth. Don't lie to yourself. James is continually expressing his concern for his brothers and sisters about being deceived. James, James 1.16, do not be deceived. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, what? Deceiving yourselves. If anyone thinks he is religious in James 1.26, which that religious means genuine faith, and does not bridle his tongue, but what? Deceives his heart. That person's religion, his genuine faith is worthless. What is James saying to his brothers and sisters? What is James saying to me and to us? If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, stop lying to yourself about what is true about your heart. And if this is true about your heart, don't claim to be wise. This is not what God's wisdom looks like. This is not the source of God's wisdom. This is not the type of heart condition, soil condition from which wisdom from above is harvested. The source of God's wisdom is not the heart of man. Wisdom from above then he describes in verse 15. If you look at verse 15, he says it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. That word earthly has the idea of like having no regard for eternity, no thought beyond the present. Earthly wisdom usually sounds good. And it even possesses some truth. But it still leads to destruction. The most effective lies are mostly what? True. They're mostly true. Earthly wisdom. It's also unspiritual, which means it's natural, unable to accept the things of the Spirit of God because it opposes the Spirit of God. Why? Because it's natural and God's way is not natural. God's way is Spirit-led. And then it's demonic, devilish, rooted in lies, rooted in the father of lies, Satan who loves death and therefore leads to death. Just ask Adam and Eve. So what does wisdom from below produce? What kind of harvest 
comes out of this wisdom from below, this false wisdom. Look at the next phrase. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. James 4.2 says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and argue. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. James 1, 14 and 15, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or wicked who can understand it. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion that wisdom from below is not from God. It's from the heart of man, and it ultimately leads to spiritual death. And then he's gonna, James is going to move on to talk about the wisdom from above in verses 17 and 18. And it's, complete, it's the complete opposite. It's from a completely different source um, before we dig into that even a little deeper, we, we want to talk about one thing, is that the wisdom from above and Jesus cannot be separated. Jesus is wisdom from above personified. I'm going to read um, Proverbs 8, 22 through 36, and, and I apologize if I don't have this on the screen. I, I honestly don't remember if I gave that to Josiah, but Proverbs 8, 22 through, 30, uh, 22 through 36, I'm going to read that real quick, and it, and it really helps understand this idea of wisdom from above and Jesus being uh, together, um, where you can't separate the two. So just bear with me while I turn there, and then we'll read it. The Lord, and this is wisdom talking, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his works, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. Where, when there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or its first, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heaven, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made from the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his commands. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and do not neglect it. Neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me wisdom injures himself. All who hate me hate death. Now let's look at what James has to say about the wisdom from above. James begins his description of God's wisdom with a phrase, wisdom from above is first pure. You see that in verse 17, it's first pure. We're going to talk about this because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's highly important. Um, and, and we can ask ourselves the question, is there, is there a reason he gives this word first? Uh, is there 
an importance to this being the first word that James gives? And the answer is yes, absolutely. So let's look at it. Uh, this purity means, it actually means multiple things. It's dynamic. So there's not like a just like cut and dry one word answer for this. It's dynamic, but you'll see that this purity that flows from the heart and character of God, like there's a, there's a goodness in this in the, in the dynamic purity. So James one twenty seven says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, so in that he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled, having the idea of being genuine, being the real deal, being uh, that there is no trick or hypocrisy in this. Um, Jesus proved in the resurrection that he was the real deal. He defeated death. He, he proved that he was genuinely the son of God. And then so you have that idea of being genuine. Uh, James 4, 8 through 10 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. There's your word. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So you have this idea in this word, first pure, that means to be cleansed, to be washed, to be morally pure, walking in repentance. And so Jesus didn't need to walk in repentance. Why? Because he, he was pure. He, he, he was spotless, and he proved that he was pure and spotless in the resurrection. See, he, he, he won. He defeated death. He, he proved his purity that the spotless Lamb of God came to take away the sins of the world, and he proved it in the resurrection, the purity that comes from God we see in Jesus. 1 John 3, 1 through 3, see, and this is the last piece to this purity, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So what's the conclusion here? This purity, it it points to our position and identity as children of God. Without this, this list is overwhelming. I mean, I look at the first word on this list, to walk in the wisdom from above, and you know what I say to myself? I give up. I can't do it. It's not going to happen. Let's just go home. Can't do it. But Jesus does it, right? Jesus is pure. Points to our position and identity as a child of God, Do I have a proper understanding of who I am in Christ? James says that of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits, meaning set apart to holiness and special. You see, when you are born again, the purity of Jesus is now yours to walk in, to grow in, to possess an understanding of what and where we were before we were rescued, God the Father sent his son 
the pure, spotless Lamb of God, he came down. He came down. You don't have to do it by yourself. You can't. You need him. Like, stop trying. I tell that to myself all the time. Like, Josh, stop trying so hard. You can't do it. You need him. Wisdom personified Jesus not only shows us purity, he doesn't just show us. What does he do? He, he invites us in. Come partake of this with me. It's like when we were brought forth by the word of truth, by God's will to become his children, it, it's, it's, like we're, it's like we're orphans um, and we're in, this, uh, we're in this orphanage that is so dark and so hopeless that, um, you know, the kids in this orphanage, us, like we, there's no point in even crying anymore because no one is coming. It's that dark, hopeless place where no one's coming. And, and that is where we were. And then who enters in and takes us with him? It's God. He sent his son Jesus to, to rescue us out of this dark and hopeless place. And he says, come with me, follow me. You're in my family now. You are no longer what you were. You are made new. You are a new creature, a new person. And so what we do is, is, is instead of like walking just fully committed to the way of our new family, this is what we tend to do. We tend to be the kid in the back of the car being rescued from the orphanage in his new family, and we look back at the orphanage and we long to be back in the darkness because that's all we knew. That was all we knew. And so, so when, we, when we say no to the purity of Christ and we say yes to the flesh, we're, we're just longing to be back in the darkness of the orphanage, the hopelessness. And God sends Jesus and says, no, I have a better way. I am the way, the truth, the life. Walk with me. Stop looking back at the orphanage. You are not that person anymore. You're not. You are a new creature. We're going this way. That's what God does Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Wisdom from above is first pure. When we walk in this type of purity, the rest of the list will flow. You see, you see when, you, when we grasp that, the list is no longer overwhelming. Why? Because it's not us. It's him. It's not us. It's not, you can look at the list and be like, praise God, I don't have to do that. He does it through me. It's amazing. The rest of the list will flow out of our hearts into our relationships like a never-ending fountain. And so let's look at the rest of the list. The rest of the list says peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. A couple things here that I think are worth noting um, one is that this list describes Jesus, right? If you, if you, we're about to study the book of Mark and we're going to see Jesus and how he interacted with people, and, and this is him. 
This is him. Okay, like Jesus <laughs> didn't look like Rambo when he came. Okay, complete opposite. If you don't know who Rambo is, Arhenis, Google it. You'll, you'll get a good idea. Do you know who Rambo is? I'm proud of you. Okay, okay Jesus was not Rambo. Okay, he was completely the opposite. And so like how often do we enter the issues and the struggles and the difficulties in our relationships? You know, like you're fighting with your wife and you're coming home from work and you're just like, I'm coming home and we're dealing with this, right? That is not the way of Jesus. It's not. Jesus is the total opposite. He's not Rambo. This list is a detailed description of what it looks like to walk in the meekness of wisdom. The list describes Jesus, and it pours out of a heart controlled by the Holy Spirit. The words in this list are difficult to describe outside of the context of a relationship. Just look at the list. You can't really talk about these things without describing what's going on in a relationship. This is relational wisdom. Full of mercy, James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay, that's why Jesus didn't come like Rambo, okay? Because mercy wins, Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's better. So walk in it. Jesus in Matthew 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And then he also describes it in this list as impartial and sincere, which is the opposite of double-mindedness. My brothers in James 2, my brothers show no partiality as you hold your faith in Jesus. And then sincere Um, tied with impartial, has this idea of being genuine, the opposite of double-mindedness. This list is the way of wisdom. Um, It is not what you say or what you do. It is how you walk and how you speak. This list is an outpour from the heart that is rooted in the truth, rooted in the word, rooted in Jesus. And then James is going to wrap up by talking about the harvest of righteousness. And this list kind of just flows right into this. In verse 18, if you look there, um, he says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This phrase is directly tied to the list, but it goes again back to the source. So we're ending by going back to the source. He concludes, uh, he concludes by directing us again to the heart. So let's take a look. Um, the phrase, sown in peace. Um, and so this is, what he, this is what James is getting at with this phrase. Because it's kind of like, a, it sounds great. Like the phrase, harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It sounds awesome. We're like, yeah, I love that. I want that. It sounds awesome. But like, what in the world does it mean? Um, so this is, this is what he's getting at. It's sown in peace. Only a heart that is at peace can make peace. Only a heart that is at peace with God, so vertical, can make true peace, horizontal, with those around him. Vertical first, horizontal second. If you aren't truly at peace with God, you are making false peace with others, and it doesn't last. We see this all the time, right? Um, You know, if I'm not walking with God, and there's conflict between me and my wife, I'm not making true peace with her. Why? Because I'm living in the flesh. I'm being controlled by a heart that is filled with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. So do I make peace? No. I might give an attempt, but 
Even my attempts at making peace are filled with selfish ambition, right? When I'm controlled by me, what I want, my flesh. And so you have this idea here that James is saying, if the soil condition of your heart is at peace with God, out of that flows a peacemaker. So he says, make peace. That person makes peace. Do you need to make peace with someone? Do I need to make peace with someone? This is an outflow of meekly walking in the wisdom from above. Making true peace with another person is ultimately a work of the Holy Spirit. Are you a peacemaker? Jesus said plainly, blessed are the peacemakers. How did things go with your family over the holidays? (laughs) Do you need to make peace? Do you need to get on the phone with somebody this afternoon and make peace? And then what is the result of this heart soil condition that is at peace with God and then it makes peace with others? There's this overflow, right? This harvest of righteousness, as he says here, is the result the result of a heart with good soil, a heart at peace with God, which has hands and feet that make peace with others is a harvest of righteousness. Because with good soil, when the seed, the word is planted, of course, the result is a harvest of righteousness. Why? Because it's a heart controlled by the Spirit, and it's His word, and so His righteousness flows out. You have nothing to do with that, right? His word, His Spirit, his character in the soil, harvest of righteousness comes out. It's him. When God is working in us, his beauty and his character flows out. So what is a harvest of righteousness? What is it? It's, it's a life that is pleasing to God. When God is doing that in you, it, it, that, that's not overwhelming, Right? It's like, I can't please God. Well, when you're controlled by him, his spirit, yeah, you can't because it's him. It's not you. A harvest of righteousness inwardly is proven by a harvest of wisdom outwardly. It flows from a life that is rooted in the true source of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you. Wisdom is proven by meekly displaying the heart and hands of Jesus in our relationships. As we enter this new year, as we enter a new study, we all want wisdom. We would all say, yes, I want to be wise. I want to be described as someone who walks in the wisdom from above. I don't want to be a man, a woman, a teenager, a child who walks in the wisdom from below. And so as we push forward that way this year, as we enter a new study, may the Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts to where in this body, in your family, There is a harvest of righteousness inwardly. And so what what we see from that in our church, in our family, and that flows out of that is a harvest of wisdom that can only point to the God who created that wisdom. 
It's in his character. It's in his nature. It's who he is. And we get to partake in that with him. Lord, we are asking your spirit to connect the dots for us from our ears and our head to our heart. We need you to do that. It's a supernatural thing that happens. God, may you just bless the preaching of the word. May your word go down deep into our hearts, into the soil. And if we need you to perform surgery on us, may we say yes to that, do that, because we want us to have your righteousness and your wisdom flow out of us. And God's church said, amen.